Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, it was my week to pick this time. Craig had chosen the last few movies, I think, that we did. And so I just, I don't know, you know me, I'm always in the mood for something from the 80s. I just want some cheesy 80s horror movie. But I have a few things that have just been on my list forever that I've been really intrigued by that I wanted to see. And I remember you and I absolutely loved Basket Case. Yeah. Um, we just thought it was just this gritty, crazy, awesome little independent movie that just had a lot of heart, you uh-huh. know, like dirty heart. <laughs> <laughs> it, it showcased New York City, like the griminess of it, but it just did it so well. And, and it was just fun. Yeah. And so uh, I've been wanting to get back to see another one of Frank Henenlotter's movies. And this one called Brain Damage from 1988 was his uh, second big movie after Basket Case. I think from here on out, he did a couple more sequels to Basket Case and yep. a couple other movies. He, he really only has done a handful of movies. but mm-hmm. um, Frankenhooker. Frankenhooker, I, I saw a couple times as a teenager, actually. That movie... That movie promises more than it delivers, really. You know, for a teenage boy renting a movie called Frankenhooker, <laughs> you're really hoping for certain things. And, and, <laughs> and Lotta really excels in the sort of the horror comedy genre. So this yeah, is yeah. billed as a horror comedy. It's definitely got uh, its tongue firmly planted in cheek, but it has a lot of disturbing elements to it, just like Basket Case. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, this was actually the first time I'd seen it. And I was really looking forward to discussing it with you, especially after I watched it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how about you, Craig? Uh, had you seen this before or even heard no, of it? No, no, I don't think that I had even heard of it. And I'm really surprised. Right? <laughs> Basket Case is kind of uh, a cult classic. And I, I did really like it. And I, I only recently saw Basket Case 2. And I really enjoyed it too. And there, I don't know. It's this. This guy has a really unique. Hen and Lauder has a really unique style. And yeah, like these movies, all of the ones that I've seen are really goofy and really out there. Yeah. But there's there's just something stylistic about it, and it, it does. I don't know. It it feels like you can feel the the love that went into it. Mm. it it's it's really hard to explain other than that if you have seen basket case and you begin to watch this you'll immediately recognize the feel and the style uh had yeah. had i not known that this was made by the same guy i think that i still would have thought in many ways this movie reminds me a lot of basket case right stylistically yeah thematically yeah. kind of too the main the main character just like the main character in basket case is kind of this quiet guy who's like going through some emotional issues some emotional trauma or whatever and maybe is a bit of a I don't know. Like in Basket Case, you get the sense that he's kind of a loner, but he's kind of not because he has a girlfriend. He gets a girlfriend. Yeah. He gets a girlfriend. Uh, In this case, this guy's got a girlfriend. They're quite serious. They're engaged. But I I think that the thing that I really admire about Hen and Lauder is, after seeing these two movies, is he has a lot of confidence (laughs) as a filmmaker. I mean, it's very clear. You know, you can't make a movie like this and like Basket Case without just being fully confident about about what you're putting up on the screen, you know? I know it's crazy, but we're going to go full hog on it. Yeah, yeah, and I like that. I really like it. You know, they're really unique stories. Uh, fairly simple. I mean, if you were to, you know, summarize the plots, you could do so, you know, in a paragraph. It's not like these big complex stories, but they're out there, and I like that too. I like that, you know, he has a bold idea, and he runs with it, um, and he does stuff stuff like <laughs> there's some stuff in this movie that I just can't even believe right. made it to film ever I anywhere <laughs> I was watching it with my like my jaw on the floor like is this happening <laughs> right is this happening am I really seeing this like is this l- allowed like, <laughs> oh I know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> I don't think this is allowed <laughs> you can't do this enough oh man but yeah. it's there I I mean, also, they're both, much like Basket Case, kind of a character study, in a way, because it's really focused on 
this one guy kind of going through his own personal torment. Right. In Basket Case, it's this guy who's has to kind of care for his psychotic, deformed twin brother yeah. that, that uh-huh. he keeps in a basket. In this case, what happens to him is just it's just totally out of the blue. You know, it's kind of random, really. But he's got to deal with it now, and it's just what he's going through. And we're just with him the whole time, and we start to see how his life kind of falls apart because of this creature <laughs> yeah. that attaches itself and- to him. I can see why you would say that it's kind of a character study, but it's more, it almost seems more like a study of how would a normal person deal deal with this insane scenario? Like, in, in Basket Case, you know, the main guy, Dwayne, I think was his name, and his brother had a long complicated history and and had known one another their whole lives and had more a relationship yeah right it, it's more complex here this guy is just thrust into a strange situation and i didn't really even think about it but i was reading some uh reviews and uh, articles about the movie today and one of them pointed out how we don't really know anything about brian outside of the confines of his apartment it's 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 like he he doesn't really exist outside we know that he has a brother who also lives with him in this apartment and he has a girlfriend and that's it we don't know anything else about him we don't know anything about his family we don't know anything about does he have a job does he have friends it, it's it's all he's very very isolated and then this bizarre thing happens to him and his brother and his girlfriend are there on the outskirts of it and they're concerned about him but it really just becomes a very personal journey for him and he's really very much kind of alone except for his little friend it's i don't even know like how do you that but that was one of the things that i liked about the movie like it it surprised me i didn't know a lot going into it but i did read a brief summary that said something like an ordinary man wakes up to find a repulsive creature attached to his spinal cord or something and that so i knew that it was going to be a creature thing but then (laughs) the creature shows up Like, what? Uh, I I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I can't wait to get into the story because it's going to be all over the place. Well, it's interesting because a a lot of reviewers at the time and a lot of people just that you read online talk about and say that this was Frank Henenlotter's, it's reflective of his struggle with cocaine addiction. uh, Right. Drug addiction. And it... And it feels very much like oh, yeah. a metaphor for addiction. But I, he's, it seems like he's kind of distanced himself from that. Like, he's downplayed it, that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he said, oh, yeah, it, it, it seems like a, a pretty obvious... I mean, this is coming from him. He's saying, yes, you look at it and that seems pretty obvious. But he, like like you said, he, he downplays it. it. It's not just that. It's not a PSA. Yeah. He basically said, like, literally, it's a very narrow reading. If you're just looking this as a metaphor for drug abuse, like, it's that's an easy thing to move the plot. But in broader terms, he said, it's, it's like about escapism. It's about an, an, a free ride, like an easy way out. There right. are lots of other avenues for that besides drugs, but he right. said drug imagery was a simple and easy way of expressing that in a film. And so, you know, that's kind of what we have here. It's very on the nose, sort of kind of a drug type imagery, but he Definitely. really distances himself from saying this is like a personal story of his. Like, uh, I don't know if he was addicted to, to cocaine or not, or if he denies that too, I, but he's just kind of like, eh, you know, forget about that. Right. That's not really what this movie's about. So um, he, he actually more likened it to Faust, like a very superficial adat- adaptation of Faust is what he said. So Right. Um, and I think he also got some criticism too, thinking that this movie was pro drug. I don't get that. I don't get that at all either. It seems like a nightmare what this guy's I, going right. through. I read it too. What I read was that you know some critics say that um, when Brian is under the influence of these drugs, for lack of a better word, supernatural drugs, whatever you want to call them, he's very euphoric and seems really happy and seems like you know he's having a great time. But the article that I read said that's ignoring the fact that the come down yeah. is way worse. Like like the the consequences far outweigh 
the reward. And that's kind of the point, yeah. And, right, and that's that's the Faust thing, right. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, come on. People take drugs because it creates a high, a, a mm-hmm. euphoria, or, or whatever. It It is escapist. Um, so, I mean, it would be stupid to pretend that that wasn't the case. But the focus here, obviously, is on the terrible, terrible consequences of that kind of dependence mm-hmm. uh, upon something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there's a very sexual undertone to this. That's movie. exactly what I was just going to say. I was going <laughs> to right. Um, but I, I appreciate what the director says about yeah the you know the drug thing is a really simple way of expressing this, um, but it could be any other thing too. And I think that sex is one of those things that it could be, especially since not only did this movie come out, you know, kind of right at the peak of Nancy Reagan's war on drugs, uh, her big Just Say No campaign, but it also was right at the height of the AIDS crisis. Mm-hmm. And so I think that uh, sexuality was something that was at the forefront of people's minds, too, because all of a sudden there were these new potential consequences for sexual behavior, and that seems to be explored here a little bit. There's also, you know, and I've read this several places, I don't really know whether or not it was intended, but there's some weird homoerotic stuff mm-hmm. going on in Seems the movie like too. It. But I, I I honestly couldn't even tell it's not, if it's that really was hard intentional. To, yeah, I'm with you on that. It's not like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street too obvious if it you know, if it's there. And I don't know if Hannon Lauder's even addressed that. I, I haven't read him addressing that at all. He's definitely addressed a sexual element to the movie, saying that right. it, he said in the, even an earlier version of the script was more overtly sexual, and it, that you know obviously through different revisions kind of got toned down, but some of it kind of remains. But yeah, there are there is an odd scene in here that we'll talk about that kind of left me scratching my head with like, what was the point of this? Me too. But that on its own doesn't really mean anything right like i mean no. it doesn't really carry through the rest of the film so it kind of leaves you that's why i left me scratching my head i just didn't seem to fit well i read i read something else that i think this was just a fan review and they're like you know yeah the whole drugs thing's there but it's also about you know a guy struggling with uh his sexuality he's got this girlfriend but then he starts experimenting with this other you know like phallic entity or whatever and mm-hmm. at that point you know like he shuns his girlfriend and uh, explores other avenues uh, okay I, I, I mean I feel like I feel like you could read it that way but I feel like in doing so it seems like there's an agenda yeah, like like, maybe. like you're searching for something like you're 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 kind of grasping at straws a little bit i, I see it i think that there's a, ra- a reasonable argument but i really kind of doubt that was intentional well honestly i think this is part of the beauty of the movie really and why i enjoyed it so much is i like this ambiguity here i mean the movie's not lazy it's very bold about the choices it makes it's doing these kind of crazy outrageous things and it makes no apologies for it uh, but it's very Lynchian in a way. It gets yeah. very surreal at times. You do wonder, what does this mean? What am I supposed to be getting out of this? Is this real? And there's psychedelic imagery, and the ending oh, in yeah. particular is just kind of whacked out. And and so uh-huh. I, I like that, you know? It's, it's so different. And again, it reminds me of David Lynch. It also reminds me in a way of... Um, the other guy who does the guy who does body horror a lot, Cronenberg. Um, Cronenberg, uh, especially Videodrome. You know, Videodrome is mm-hmm. another movie where this kind of lone guy is going on this journey, and just weird stuff is happening, and you're not quite sure what's supposed to be real and what's not, or if it's all just sort of magical realism, or if it's all allegorical, and right. and that's fine because ultimately. I enjoyed it. (laughs) I did, too. I really enjoyed it. I did, too. And this isn't one of those movies where, like, oh, my gosh, turn it off right now because you don't want the spoilers unless, I don't know, I really enjoyed it, too. And I think that part of what I appreciated were the surprises. Like, they're they're not, like, earth-shattering surprises, but... um, certain things would happen and I would just be taken so off guard and I I would laugh out loud. So I would say if this is something that you're interested in, you may want to watch it first because we will, of course, as always, spoil everything. Right. But at the same time, this, this is one of those where I feel like you can listen to this and still 
enjoy yeah. it later. <laughs> You're still gonna watch we, it. We can't we can't <laughs> possibly <injustice>. explain <laughs> how bizarre it is. So you're still gonna you're still gonna be in for a treat. <laughs> I totally agree. I, I mean, we can't possibly do justice to the imagery on the screen <laughs> in this movie. No, so no. it'll be fine. Well, the movie kicks off with images of tribal masks interspersed with like pages from an anatomical book with notes on it and stuff, yeah, and a very synthy eighty score. And- oh, I love the score! I absolutely love the score. Like, I'm tempted to buy the Blu-ray just because one of the special features is the the score on its own. No way! <laughs> oh, wow. <Yeah. laughs> I I could uh, I could listen to this all day. It's super synthy, and the title is just this really bold red you know block letters brain damage with uh like lightning bolts coming out honestly five seconds in i'm like oh this is gonna be good (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) well this older man comes home uh to his wife and uh, once again henan lauder loves to set his movies apparently in the dingy new york city streets which i kind of like so it's just kind of a dumpy little apartment uh, but cute and this older man's coming home and he's got a package you were gone so long i was worried i had to go all the way to that goddamn gourmet deli but you got a dozen good good no they're too damn small not like the ones we got from gottlieb may he rest in peace maybe we should order from that french butcher again no way always asking questions making jokes Oh, these are beautiful. It turns out to be brains. Yeah. Are you coming now? I'm going to feed him. Elmer, din din. And they go into the bathroom with this package of brains, and she just instantly starts screaming, and we just get a shot of the bathtub with water in it. Right, and I have no idea what's happening. It's so like, dramatic. I, <laughs> I know, and I, I, I have no idea who, like, all, I'm like, who is Elmer? Is it like... Do they have some kind of weird deformed son or are they keeping somebody captive? I have no idea. But when she realizes that whoever or whatever it is is gone, they flip the f*** out. (laughs) They are so upset. It's insane. Like she is screaming wailing through this whole scene and they're they're looking for elmer apparently like what are they looking for they're like looking well first they completely destroy they destroy the entire apartment she's like tearing everything out of the kitchen cabinets he's clearing the bookshelves i'm like what is going on and it it is just absolutely Crazy. The score is pounding. <laughs> they, they go, they knock on the neighbor's door and they run into their bathroom and look in their tub and see, no, okay, and then leave. I mean, that neighbor was um, Dwayne's neighbor from Basket Case. Did you recognize her? Oh, no, I didn't. No. Yeah. I mean, she's just she's just in that tiny one little scene, but I I was looking at Hen and Lauder's other movies and pulling them up. I, she is in all of the ones that I looked at. Um, she's oh, in Frankenhooker. She's in Basket Case 2. Sounds like he's kind of got a little crew little of... entourage. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they... It, it, oh, my God. And so then, like, they look and look, and they can't find it, whatever it is. And the last image that I remember seeing is them laying amongst the detritus that they have created, laying on the floor, kind of head-to-head, foaming at the mouth. Yeah. And I had no idea what was happening. I thought, did they kill themselves? Right. Like, did they drink, you know, like, uh, I don't know, bleach or something? They, I, I couldn't for the life of me understand what was happening. And then we leave them and don't come back to them for a long time. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we find out what is going on, but... I was so intrigued by this opening. It was wild, I, and and it just it set up uh, to me that I had no idea what I was in for. Right? <laughs> like, th- I have no idea what this movie is. I have no idea where it's going. It's already crazy, um, and then it just gets crazier. Yeah, I there. mean, that's what's great about this film is it does not waste any time. And and no, then it's this guy is laying in bed. We don't even see his face for a while. He gets like a phone call. He's mostly asleep. And then eventually his girlfriend comes over. So this guy laying in bed, his name is Brian. And his, his uh, fiance, I think, because she had a ring on her finger. Her name's Barbara. She comes over to wake him up. But he's like feeling really, really sick. 
and his brother Mike has answered the door, and he's like, what's going on, Brian? And basically, they're supposed to go to a concert, she and Brian, but instead, Mike decides that he's going to go to the concert with Barbara instead, because Brian is just feeling too sick. He's like, you guys just go, and and I'm going to stay. Right, it's at Brian's suggestion, but... (laughs) Couldn't you tell from, like, the second that Barbara walked in the apartment that Mike (laughs) was, like, totally in her? Mike was creeping on her from the the moment Uh she walked in. I'm uh, almost uncomfortably so, really. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking, too. I'm like, dude, that's your brother's girlfriend. Like, gross. Mm -hmm. But you know what? There's an... there's an interesting bit that I caught because it's in my notes, and, and I didn't realize it happened at the beginning until I looked back on my notes, but he keeps in the frame that there are the, the next-door neighbors, which are this man and this woman, they have like five locks on their door, and you see that in the frame from when she oh. comes over and he opens the door. It's just a nice little touch that he had in there, and it was enough for me to notice and write it down. I was like, why does that neighbor have five locks on their door? Oh, God, I did not notice, but that's... That- that's yeah and that's a kind of a bit of a clue because then um after they leave brian kind of wakes up and there is like blood all over his hand and he he checks his neck and his his neck is bleeding there's blood on the bed where he was laying and he's just kind of spaced out and he's literally crawling on the floor at this point this scene is wild yeah and there are so many scenes like this that i can imagine people <laughs> taking drugs specifically to watch this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, if you want a sample of what it's like to take drugs, you watch this movie. I, right? Like, I can only imagine that... The, <laughs> like, it, it seems to end up visually... It, it, it's like an injectable chemical that goes to his brain. So it, it, it seems very reminiscent of heroin. And I have no idea what, aside from what I've seen in movies, um, what the effects of heroin are. Um, but this definitely has like psychedelic properties. Yeah. And so, you know, once when he gets up, um, he's dizzy and he has to sit down. He sees flashing lights he ends up laying back down in his bed and then like blue water starts flooding his room and there's trippy music and the lighting is all trippy and he's staring up at the ceiling and the light fixture in the ceiling like morphs into a giant eyeball in a very (laughs) in a very slow and deliberate way like it's kind of cool actually it actually reminded me of being a kid trying to fall asleep staring at my ceiling and almost seeing it as something completely different. And yeah. the light itself, you know, is one of those white kind of half-dome lights with like a little black little nipple on it or whatever on a, on a white ceiling that's a bit textured. And then when you see it again, it, yeah, it's like a little organic looking. And then you see it again, and it's quite clearly like an eyeball that he sees, uh-huh. right? It's almost, it's very reminiscent of an iris and the ceiling itself is a little gooey, like the white part of the eye and glistening. Mm-hmm. And I, I was really impressed actually with the editing here and just mm-hmm. the the pacing of it and, and everything. And, and it really pulled me into sort of a trippy vibe because like you said, then there's like water flowing and it's like flowing over him and over the bed, this blue water. And it's like, he doesn't care. Yeah. He's just laying there, and he just lets this water wash completely over him. It's so interesting. But you're like, what the hell is going on? And what does this have to do with that couple next door, right? Right. It's pretty artsy. It's really cool. Uh, He gets up, and and he's still got visions of the eye and stuff, but now he's like in the corner of the room, and all this stuff is completely gone. He's just sitting there, and he's still staring up the light, and he pulls out a mirror to look at his neck. He goes into the bathroom, and he sees that there's like a hole back there. His tub is full of water, which is kind of moving around. And he just says aloud, okay, I know someone else is here. Where are you? And then he looks down and he's wearing this like black t-shirt. And there's something kind of crawling up his stomach under his shirt. And then this dick-like brain creature pops up behind him from his shoulder and goes, Hi! (laughs) This was so bizarre. Okay, so, like, specifically, the special effects people were directed to make this reminiscent of a big black dildo. Yeah. Um, It it, it is very phallic in nature. It's veiny. It's got, like, 
a head. <laughs> like, yeah, it, but they had also this little brainy looking too, and yeah, <laughs> and it, it, they also they incorporated like kind of like suction cups on its body. Yeah, it, it also looks very much like a turd. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like Hanky the Christmas Pooh. It's a mechanized puppet and it moves and it talks and they like they used different effects they used they had this mechanical puppet that they used a lot of the time and it talks they had to do all of its talking ADR because apparently the mechanism of the puppet was loud and then but they also use stop motion and then in a couple of places they also use animation <sighs> and it's i just You'll have to Google it. Do a Google image search for... It sounds like Elmer, but it's A-L-Y-M-E-R or something like that, which they Mm -hmm. talk about later. It's just so strange. Like, in the same way that Basket Case was strange. A weird design, a weird concept. And the thing... When it started talking, I burst out laughing. Yes. Because I, I had no idea what I would have expected it to sound like, but certainly not what it sounds like. Yeah. Now, apparently, Hennen Lauder was very specific that he wanted this creature to actually sound very sophisticated. Right. And he instantly thought to a horror host that he used to watch on TV named Zachary. I'm familiar with Zachary. Now, I wasn't living in the area where he was on television, but he was like a an Elvira-type host who would do uh-huh, horror uh-huh. movies and do interstitials and things. And my dad had, for some reason, I have no idea why, my dad had a VHS tape, like a two-hour-long movie plus Zachary jumping in and doing things. So I, I actually got to see this guy. And, you know, he's just a dude. Yeah. But he has a very particular nice way of talking like this it's almost a soothing kind of voice it's just Mm. so unexpected yeah this guy i just watched some stuff about him on youtube he kind of fell into that horror hosting gig by accident he happened to do something creepy for a gig and somebody saw it and said hey we're doing this horror hosting thing will you do it for us and he's like okay so he just took the same costume that he had used for whatever that initial gig was and uh it just kind of took off um and that's what he became known for this is the start of your new life brian a life without worry or pain or loneliness a life filled instead with colors and music and euphoria a life of light and pleasure who are you what are you i am you brian i'm all you'll ever need i don't understand You will, Brian. From now on, your life will take on a whole new light. And all you have to do is look into the light and listen. Listen to the light, Brian. Just listen to the light. Yes, yes, I'd like to again, but... I don't see it now. Then I'll make you a deal. I'll show you the light if you'll take me for a walk. A walk? Where? Anywhere you like. I'm, uh, hungry. Wait, wait, I'm confused. I'm not following any of this. Then don't worry about it. You don't need to worry about anything ever again. I'll do all your thinking for you. And so that's that's kind of the Faustian element of it. Like, I'll give you everything you want at a cost. Mm-hmm. That is a typical trope uh, you see in literature and film all of the time you know when something appears to be good too good to be true it's usually because it is and and that's what's going on here and now what this thing does is it attaches itself to the back of his neck and he never sees this happen which (laughs) i think is hilarious because it obviously it's behind him so he can't see it but if he could see it he would never do it again because <laughs> this this thing first of all it looks like a big blue and black veiny dick turd mm-hmm. um but it's got these funny cartoonish almost like dopey sympathetic eyes like yes. it has a face it's so cute in a way really <laughs> <laughs> in a way it is and then but then when it attaches itself to the back its head like the front part of its head its mouth i guess opens up but when i say its mouth opens up it's almost like his head just elongates yeah and it's just this big maw full of teeth and tentacles and it's gross and scary it kind of looks like a lamprey or something yeah and then a big needle big dripping needle comes out inserts itself into a hole in the back of his head and then you see that it 
enters his brain and squirts this blue juice all over. Uh, Which, can, uh, come on, like, yeah. And and it's this it's this big phallic thing, <laughs> constantly juice. talking about its juice. Like <laughs> you need you want some of my juice, don't you? I'm gonna I'm gonna juice <laughs> you real juice nice. You up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's the homoerotic slash you know sexual nature of it, of course, and. But also the drug nature of it as well. Right. It's definitely hilarious, though. <laughs> and, and and it releases that secretion, and he immediately like you can. It, I mean, it, it looks like he's coming basically. Yeah. Like like it's he gets he, so he's excited. got he's got total O face. Yeah, sexual sounds he's making and stuff. Uh huh. Going like you just said, we get this great close up into his brain of that needle popping through and dripping the juice all over his brain. And it kind of makes things go a little electric in there, like uh, there's some animated electricity when it juices him. You know, the the guys who worked on the special effects for this were the two the two main effects guys who were who did Spookies. Yeah. Uh, who, who were working on Spookies at this exact same time or just come off of Spookies. And Spookies was a weird-ass movie uh, that got thrown through the ringer and, and came out like way different than it was originally intended to be. But I do remember Spookies, the one thing that we had to say about it was the effects and they were very ambitious. Yeah. It had some really interesting and cool creature effects throughout the whole thing. And so I think that at this point, these two guys were making a name for themselves, trying to make a name for themselves anyway, doing this. But it has that like low rent look uh-huh. that quite frankly, Spookies had, but uh-huh. it really still fits the movie. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it might as well because the whole movie's surreal and trippy. So it doesn't really matter that this thing looked that realistic. It serves its purpose, and it's totally fine, and I was totally into it. And like you said, with his little dopey eyes and stuff, he almost comes across as a little cartoon character. Uh-huh. Which, in a way, yeah. is serves the drug metaphor in a way. You know, it's like it's this, this sinister, horrible thing that's going to really mess you up. But it comes on with such promise and such niceness. Yeah. So it all fits. And plus his voice is just so soothing. You know, I'm just going to fix everything for you. So uh, as a package, it just totally works. But man, if you walk in from another room and you see this movie playing, you'll be like, what in the hell am I watching? Yeah. Real quick. Though my one criticism, uh, and it's just kind of minor criticism, really, that we just know nothing about Brian. I guess it's the point. But... Like, usually a movie would try to tell us a little bit about his life. Is this a happy guy? Is this a guy who needs this? Is this a guy who's been wanting something like this, you know? Is this a fulfillment of a dr- of a wish or a dream? Or is is he like a victim here? He's totally happy and he's getting ensnared into this thing that's, that's making it, that's screwing up his life. Like, we don't know any of this stuff. Right. We just know he's got a fiancé and presumably things have been fairly normal for them. Right. And Brian is played by Rick Hurst. He's got this very, very familiar face. It's handsome. Craig? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. I'm just waiting for you to jump in any time to talk about Rick Hurst's uh, <laughs> background. <No. laughs> oh, I don't really know. Uh, you don't? Well, soaps. Like, he did soaps, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you're one of your favorites, right? Days of Our Lives. He was on I see. That. I didn't know. I didn't know if he... I, I saw that he did, like, General Hospital. Yeah. 1989 to 1990, 106 episodes of Days of Our Lives, my man. Who was he? Uh, Scotty Banning. Uh, I don't know. No. I mean, I'm sure I watched it. <laughs> I don't know. He he looks He's like a, a, a soap guy. He's very handsome. Um, in fact, th- uh, throughout the course of the movie, and it bothered me. I don't know why it bothered me. I think it just because it was unexplained. But throughout the whole movie, he had a split lip. Yeah. I thought, did this guy just have really dry lips and they just had to work around it like I couldn't figure it out now you'll read that um, that was because they had intended to shoot a scene where he got into a fight defending his brother but that they ran out of time and budget and just never ended up filming that scene so it goes unexplained but Hennen Lauder has said more recently that that's not true that that was never the intention it was just uh, in his words the guy was too f***ing pretty (laughs) (laughs) so which to which um, Rick Hurst has said, is he crazy? This just this little split lip. If he's trying to make me look a little less attractive, like he could have like scarred up my cheek or been like half an ear gone or something like that. It's just this tiny little split lip. It's just I don't dis- know. You- it's just more distracting than than actually like makes him look less beautiful i think i i read that quote i read that quote from him like why didn't why not give me a big scar cut off part of my ear or something 
I don't know, but for me, there is something really unsettling about. I don't know. It's almost it's it's, it's like uh, like I said. I was wondering, does he just have really really dry lips? Like his lips are cracked, <laughs> right. or like like is like a cold sore? Like I don't know. There's something that gives me the heebie-jeebies about that. <laughs> so it worked. It worked for me. But he is he's he's a nice looking guy. I feel like you were gonna say your one criticism. That was it. Oh, that we don't know anything about him. So yeah. And I have no idea. Obviously, and any you know speculation about intention is is really just that speculation but i wonder if um along the same lines of you know faust like he's just kind of an everyman he's just the boy next door he could be you he could be your friend he like could you be could your brother in, he could be you you can put yourself in there if you want I guess. right yeah. by not giving him too many defining characteristics maybe it makes him more sympathetic or relatable i, I don't know if that was the intent maybe it's just his outside life is insignificant Mm -hmm. aside from the fact that we immediately see this start to have negative impacts on his relationships which again goes very much along with uh, drug addiction drug addiction often leads to isolation it it leads to strained relationships with loved ones and people who care about you Mm -hmm. like you said it's 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 kind of on the nose but it works and i and i think that it's really smart to approach it from this really bizarre kind of wacko way as opposed to it could have just been a serious movie you know it could have been the basketball diaries or requiem for a dream or or something like that like look at this person's fall yeah this is a different way of approaching it a more symbolic way and i i think it is really effective now the problem is okay yeah so the drugs are great like immediately as soon as he gets high he goes out and he's like looking around and um, everything is like a psychedelic light show and we see you know what he's seeing and it's very colorful and trippy and um, it looks great but he ends up in this junkyard and he's approached by a well not just approached assaulted really by uh, the night watchman and then Elmer pops out and and like I don't what is he he's I mean his MO it, it seems to be most of the time to leap right into someone's forehead and eat their way through their skull into and suck his, their brains out yeah and I mean when you see the teeth he's got you figure he can do it sure yeah it just burrows into his head and and this is where we get a little bit of stop motion of him actually like pulling a piece of brain out and stuff he's got this big old smile on his face I mean it's it's kind of funny and cute and nonchalant, you know, just the way. Well, and and Brian is so high that it. I think the suggestion is he doesn't really even. He's not really fully aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So after Elmer eats the cop's brain, Brian looks over. He's like, he says, "What's going on? Is he okay?" And Elmer goes, "Not bad. A bit underdone. Like he's also <laughs> goofy. Like the thing is goofy. It kind of it reminds me of the Goblin from Sorority Babes and oh yeah, Slimeball, Bolorama. Oh, like very much like so, yeah. like he's got jokes. <laughs> <laughs> he's a jokey guy." Uh, yeah, he he sings a song later. Like, oh my yeah, god, oh, he li- he sings a full song later. Yeah, it, okay. So then he kills the cop. So then Brian asks to be juiced again. Mike and Barbara are just constantly talking to one another. Like, what's going on? Why is he acting so strange? And at one point, Brian, like, she comes over and uh, Mike is like, he has been in the bathtub for the last six hours, and like, he put all these locks on his door. And he has these buckets of water in his room, and he's always either in his room or in the bathtub. And Barbara knocks on the door, and it's like, hey, we have a date. And and Brian is like, oh, yeah, I'll be right out. And then Elmer pops up out of the bathtub. <laughs> and, like, it's, and Brian just starts laughing hysterically, like like he's playing with this Yeah, like they're splashing turd. around. And- <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's so, so funny. And, and they giggles. hear it from the... Uh, yes, like he's just giggling like a lunatic. And it's it's really kind of funny. Uh-huh. God, he tells Barbara... I think they go out. They go to dinner. And he says that he just needs to be alone for a while. And he tries to explain to her what's going on. And he starts to, like... I'm going through some pretty intense changes. And I need to be by myself for a while. Why? What's happened? I see things differently now. You mean us? Oh, everything. It just doesn't last very long. See, like right now, for instance, everything looks normal. See? No trails. No trails? None. But sometimes 
Sometimes I can see completely. Sometimes everything glows with a different kind of light. I can touch an object and listen to the sound of its color. I can hear voices and music and the flicker of a match. I can look into a mirror and see a thousand different faces staring back at me. I can turn night into day or, or, or watch the darkness shine and I don't even have to open my eyes. You're on drugs, right? <laughs> I mean, he sounds like a guy on drugs, 100%. Yeah, This is the right. kind of thing a guy would say. But Elmer won't let him tell her about him. Like, he upsets his stomach or something. Like, you, you just hear this gurgling in his gut anytime mm-hmm. he starts to mention Elmer. Anyway, God, I don't know. He looks down at his meatballs, and one of the meatballs is actually like a like a tiny little brain that's pulsating. A pulsating, and yeah. He looks down again, and there's like two pulsating brains. Now, I mean, it's almost funny. I, I was actually laughing at this point. because It's almost like Elmer is trolling him through his visions, and, and he runs out of the restaurant. And at, and at this point, he runs out of the restaurant, and he just tears down the city, and we get this long tracking shot as he is just running past house after house after shop after restaurant after whatever down the night streets of new york city in 1987 and there was a very similar scene in basket case mm-hmm. the main character ran down the new york streets he was naked <laughs> brian's not naked i was just gonna say like this movie has energy like it really moves i just felt propelled through it you know by this i did point. too and it's short at an hour 24, but there are scenes like this one where he takes his time with shots. Like we 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 watch this guy run down the street for a while and there are yeah. other shot there are other things like this that are prolonged and it's interesting because I I read that Hinnenlotter's original edit of the film was only 66 minutes long. And so in order for it to be considered a feature film, he had to add stuff. So he went back into the editing bay and put stuff back in that he had taken out like you hardly ever hear that you know it's mm-hmm. always it's always people being forced to remove stuff for length or or content or or whatever he actually had to go back in and put some stuff back in and i i, I have a feeling that some of those may have been some of these extended shots but mm-hmm. i like them oh they're great i like the pacing um of the movie it it, it does move fast but it also <sighs> it doesn't feel short you know, it doesn't no. or long. I mean, it just feels right to me. And right. Those moments that linger, it feels appropriate and it feels kind of appropriately uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, like you keep expecting it to cut away and it doesn't. And it, it I like the way that that affected me. Um, it it, it kind of made me a little uneasy for whatever reason. Yeah. And I like that. Talk about uneasy. Like he ends up in a, an alley and he's just against a wall, almost like he's pinned against the wall. And you can see Elmer on the back of his neck. This is very sexual. Yeah. It's like Elmer is just banging his neck. Uh, he's just yeah. there he's just <laughs> moaning and groaning like in pleasure. And there's a bum bot nearby who doesn't, who barely even takes notice actually. And then he looks up and he sees a night a sign for a nightclub called Hell. And there's this excellent musical transition that takes him into this nightclub. And he walks through this whole bunch of people dancing and stuff. And he is just again, you're kind of your typical drug experience. You oh, got he's the tripping music balls. going, you're yeah. tripping, and everybody else is dancing, and there are probably other people tripping there too, whatever. He's kind of leaning up against a speaker and just listening to the colors or whatever and there's a woman at the bar who's dressed a little skimpy uh, who notices him and for some reason (laughs) is attracted and comes over and tries to get him to dance which he does but he's completely out to lunch oh yeah he's totally tripping she doesn't mind at all she's going with it yeah they look like they're having a good time and then they go into the boiler room. It, I, I th- it's an alley, isn't it? I don't know. Whatever. It's 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 out yeah, behind the. It's a door that says "keep out," and there's it's got these huge tanks and things. They're alone, and I mean, and it looks like it look. I mean, it's not like we haven't seen scenes like this. You know, a, a inebriated couple stumbles into the alley outside of the club. Yeah, and, start making you know, they, out. They they start making out, and like he is so out of it. Like you said, it's it's a little bit. I'm not really sure why she's so into this stranger, but she is. And uh, she reaches down and and fondles his crotch (laughs) and says, Feels like you got a real monster in there. And I... (laughs) 
thought that was the m- most clever line. It, it's so easy. It's such an easy joke. Oh, but I thought it was so funny. And then. Ah, so then she kneels down, and it looks like she's going to go down on him. She unzips his pants. And this is the, this was the, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah. Because it is a, sh- <laughs> so, uh, so his, his, his dick doesn't come out of his pants. Elmer does. And it goes mm. into her mouth, but the camera lingers. It looks like, it looks like porn. It, yeah. it I mean, she, she's blowing this thing and, and you know, it's, it's coming out of his pants. It looks like porn. A hundred percent. And, and it, it's, it's straight in her mouth. It's very erect. It's long. And it's, you know, veiny and blue and weird and stuff. And instantly his hands go down to the back of her head uh-huh. to keep her from removing it. Now, he's pretty out of it. Like, it's almost right. like Brian's just in the moment. He just doesn't fully understand what's happening. Right, he just right. knows he enjoys it. And his head is back, eyes closed, and he's got her face forced onto this thing. And I read that crew members walked out when they were filming this scene. And in the theatrical release of this movie, they had to cut some shots out of this part but uh the the uncut version that we saw right i would be because i can't believe i still can't believe that yeah that this is even on the home release now like the the original video release it was still the edited version it wasn't until fairly recently that it was released on dvd or blu-ray that they uh released it uncut but I, I i can't imagine them being able to show anything other than him holding the back of her head towards his crotch i can't imagine no. anything more than that because the rest of the imagery is so graphic and so phallic and so porny <laughs> yeah but we have seen so much you know you get to the point where you feel like you've seen it all <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah i can i can still be shocked we can and then he leaves and goes to another alley and and takes off his pants and underwear and throws his underwear away because they're all bloody i mean elmer has eaten her brain like like yeah yeah i think it even pulls out yes he pulls it out of her mouth and sucks it back into brian's pants like it's just it's really graphic and and gross and and so then he throws away his underwear, and then the uh, the old man from the beginning <laughs> shows back up. Shows up just randomly in this alley. <laughs> I guess it must be by the house. I feel like it must. Yeah, be Yeah, by his apartment. And he yells at him. He says, "You're feeding him human beings. You're making him strong. Almer belongs to me." And then he goes into this very um, exposition dump. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I. You get the feeling he's like a professor or whatever. Right. I mean, he talks about how he f- long li- living relic of civilizations long since forgotten traces origins to the Fourth Crusade, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He paid a guy eventually and got him. Anyway, you know, he's like you've you've got to you got to give him back. And Brian runs off and checks into a seedy hotel. Right, and and he 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 tells he's talking to Elmer Elmer whatever his name is and says, "You've got me so I can't think clearly, I can't function clearly," and Elmer says, "But I thought you were having such a good time." Again, you know, heavy-handed drugs. Yeah, I mean that's what it sounds like. We can't keep killing people every time you're hungry. Oh yes, we can. We'll do anything I want us to do. You're mine now, Brian. I own you. Oh, don't worry, Brian. I won't bite you while you're asleep. No, 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 no. I want you to beg for it now. And again, this is all very heavy-handed because it's in a seedy hotel and Brian immediately starts to go into withdrawal. And it is almost a realistic depiction of what withdrawal from hard drugs like heroin can do because it's, you know, there's a physiological addiction. It's not just a mental thing it's a physical uh thing and and he looks sick he's sweating he's pale like he's almost he's got sweating, sores like brown yeah sores all over him almaris told him i i don't get a brain you don't get my juice we'll just see who cracks first there's these trippy scenes where he like reaches into his ear and he starts pulling this long strand of something gross out of his ear and then when he pulls it all completely out his ear pops off and just blood gushes out i mean obviously it's something he's envisioning, you know. It's, it's uh-huh. I think it's reflective of how he feels, right? In the in the meantime, Almer is 
just very ho-hum, upright, in this sink. And he starts singing Elmer's Tune, which is a song I know because I used to play it on piano. It's an old sort of jazz tune. And he sings the whole thing. It is so hilarious. While the stars always winking and blinking above, what makes a fella start thinking of falling in love? It's not the season, the reason is plain as a moon. It's just Elmer's tune. Well, and, and it culminates with Brian on the floor foaming at the mouth, which explains that's mm-hmm. the, the old people were going through withdrawal, too. And when we see them, when we just saw the old guy in the alley and we see them again here in a minute, um, they, too, look terrible. Like, they look like they're suffering um, from withdrawal also. Eventually, Brian does beg. Almer says, I'll give you more juice, but you have to feed me first. And that's when we get to this weird scene where Brian goes, I don't know where, to a I think it's a, a truck um, stop? No, I think it's a community shower. I think it's supposed to be in the ho- the motel. Like like in this motel, oh. like there are not individual showers in the rooms, but there's like a shower on the floor that they can go into. In Weird. And so he goes in there and there's this muscular naked man that just the way that the camera's framed on him, like... It's leering. Yeah, yeah. It's long, leering shots of this naked man. And uh, Brian comes in very awkwardly and is kind of just staring at him. Like, he doesn't even shower. Like, he just walks in there in a towel and just stands there and stares at this guy. And the guy keeps looking at him like... Uh, (laughs) don't worry (laughs) but then and then eventually the guy leaves and and that's it like yeah and and almer i think uh, you know uh gets off of brian and crawls into another part of the bathroom and eats another guy who's sitting on the toilet but that scene with the naked guy i just i don't understand understand what the purpose of it was extend the running time of the movie (laughs) i guess i i I, and I don't. I just. I don't understand why Elmer didn't just eat that guy. Right. Weird. Whatever. He eats a guy on the toilet. Then back at Mike and Brian's <laughs> apartment, Mike brings Barbara home with them. I don't know where that they have been, but they're talking about how he's absent all the time. Blah blah blah. And Mike's like, you know how I feel about you. So not knowing that Brian is there in his room and not checking. They start to f- yeah, and Brian is just laying in his bed listening to them. Mm-hmm. Then Elmer juices Brian. There's a weird, there's a weird, like incestuous threesome hallucination. Mm-hmm. Where you know it's 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 Mike and Brian and Barbara and they're all naked and it's really really brief and it's not super graphic but weird mm-hmm. and so then Brian comes out of his room finds the two of them in bed together and tells them that they need to get out because there's something out of his control and if he's high he won't know what's happening and he doesn't want them to get hurt yeah and he runs out and Barbara chases him out and follows him to the subway where there's a, they, they sit on the subway car. This, by the way, is the only permit that he got for filming. Famously, Hinnenlotter didn't get any permits for uh, Basket Case either. He did get a permit to film in the subway. And on the subway, the character from Basket Case is on the train with them. And, yeah. and I, I just... <laughs> I love I little that was Easter cool. eggs like that. Yeah, like they exist. Like they exist in the same world, and it's just a little, you know, kind of wink and a nod well, at people who know the other movie. But I, I do know the other movie, and I enjoyed it. I actually thought it was kind of appropriate too. I mean, here's two guys just kind of passing by, facing off for a brief moment across the subway, who both have monkeys on their backs. Well, and it seems like I keep calling him Dwayne. I think that's his name. I don't know. Whatever that that guy. It almost seems like he can sense that there's something wrong or dangerous. Mm-hmm. He he looks at Brian and seems to get uncomfortable and gets up and leaves. Yep. And this was another part of the movie that's super super weird, but I loved as the so she's talking to him. She's like, "I know you're in trouble, but I'll do anything to help you." Blah blah blah. As he's sitting there and as the train car is moving, when the lights flash for whatever reason, Elmer pops out of his mouth for just a split second and pops back in. It's creepy. We see it, but she doesn't. 
because presumably it happens either when she's not looking or when the the car is dark and it's animated and it looks animated and it looks really strange but at the same time really spooky and creepy and it's just we've never seen anything like this happen before we've never seen him move quickly we've never seen him this animated mouth Yeah. yeah it's really weird and apparently this was very painstakingly animated. The the effects guy did a kind of stop-motion animation of Elmer to match what they had shot of Brian. And then he went in and cut out of the frame with an X-Acto knife, frame by frame, those frames of Elmer, and pasted them on the frames of... I mean, you talk about low-budget handicrafts here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> People would use something called an optical printer for this, usually, where, you know, you take two frames that are separate and you print them together on one separate piece of film. But no, this guy literally pasted each frame of Elmer onto the frame of this guy. And it, it works, because the movie's so surreal. We haven't seen anything uh-huh. like this. The effect, it's still good. Like, it gives... It gives a really creepy impression. I really liked it. I mean, it it looks dated. Obviously, if something were to be done like this today, it would be CGI. Oh, yeah. uh, I I really liked the look of it. It was was weird, and it was unsettling. And then he grabs her and kisses her. And again, it's it's like he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh And Elmer eats her brain, like like sucks her brain out into Brian's mouth. And when he lays her down after... He's got blood and, like, chunks of brain on his mouth that he wipes away. And it's just little details like that that are so gross um, Mm -hmm. and so unsettling. And then I don't know where he goes, but he gets confronted by the old couple again. They corner him in an alley with a gun. Um, The old lady frisks him and gets Elmer, but Elmer jumps onto her forehead and eats her brain. And then I think the old man tries to intervene and it jumps on his brain, but Brian needs to be juiced before the old man is dead. So Elmer attaches himself to Brian's back, but the old man isn't dead yet, and he wakes up and he attacks during the juicing. So like it he grabs Elmer by the body and squeezes, which I mm-hmm. and then we see that like uh, Brian's brain gets flooded with this blue stuff. It's like an overdose, essentially. It's an OD, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's an OD, and I mean, that's what happens. So Brian gets an overdose. The old man drops Elmer to the ground, and Elmer kind of, you know, goes into these death throes, but then presumably dies. I mean, this is supposed to be some kind of ancient creature that's been around for centuries, and all you have to do is squeeze it for a second, and it dies. Right. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I guess nobody. I guess nobody before wanted to kill it because they were all addicted to it. Uh, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But so then Brian starts to freak out, and this is so bizarre. His head starts bulging. Like there's clearly an air bladder under something on his head. Some skin on and, his forehead. Yeah. Right, and it you know it bulges out and is like throbbing and stuff, and he runs back. And he's leaking blue juice out of his eyes and his ears. And he runs back to his apartment and he points a gun at his head. And then we cut to outside and we hear the gunshot. And from a window up in the building, presumably Brian's room, there's this bright light emanating out of the window. And so Mike and the cops go into the room and light and electricity are emitting from a heat like Brian's whole forehead is gone and there's just like some sort of cosmic abyss that like light <laughs> is glowing. is coming out of the end like <laughs> yeah that's it it's a really bizarre ending i mean you know if you're if you're following the drug metaphor it's it's an od and he dies of an od but the way the fantastical way that it's executed is appropriately bizarre based on the rest of the movie and though it's somewhat ambiguous i was very satisfied with the oh ending. yeah hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I enjoyed it. I loved the movie. And everything that we said about it, I think you could just listen to us going through the discussion. You still might be compelled to watch it. Oh, I hope you do. It's, it's, I'm really surprised that I didn't even know about it. Like, I, mm. God, I, I, you know, we've been doing this podcast now for five, six years. I, I don't even know anymore. And it just blows me away that we still find these things right? that are new and fresh to us. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice to have these little 
pleasant surprises. I really enjoyed this movie too, and I would very much recommend it uh, to horror fans. It's unique. It's creative. It's bizarre. It's fun. It's funny. Mm-hmm. It's very punk in a way. Yeah, mm-hmm. as dark as it is, and it, it is dark, it, it's also very funny. Uh, I laughed many times. Uh, and like you said, I, I just think Lauder is an interesting filmmaker. I, I went to his IMDb page thinking, oh, I can't wait to watch something else. And like you said, there's there's not a lot. He didn't do a no. lot. He did the three basket cases. He did this. He did Frankenhooker. And then I think he's done some like documentary work and stuff. He's still working on something, but not, not, no big movies like this. Uh, I think he did something which is obviously, I think, a documentary called That's Sexploitation and uh, a documentary on Hor- Herschel Gordon Lewis. I think his latest one was 2018, although he's got two upcoming things. They're both shorts. So Gotcha. Well, he's cool. Yeah, I, I think he's he's really creative. That's not, that's not to say that other filmmakers aren't creative, but he's unique. Um, he's got a unique view and uh, a unique style, um, and it's it's fun. Yep, absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to say. All right. Well, thank you again for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. If you've seen this movie, please let us know what you thought of it. Yeah. Just by going online and and find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on our Facebook page. All you have to do is Google Two Guys and a Chainsaw Podcast, and you'll find us. Drop us a note. We love interacting with you. Also, I, I just want to take this time to to please review this podcast. You know, one of the best things you can do to support us is just to spread the word uh, and let people know that you enjoyed it. If you didn't enjoy Enjoy it. Keep it all to yourself. All right. <laughs> you we don't want to hear from you. <laughs> Another way you could support us uh, would be to uh, check out our Patreon uh, at patreoncom podcast. We put out mini sods every month. We give the unedited version of our phone calls. Uh, lots of little extra treats for uh, the people who are supporting who are supporting us that way. So, thank you all for listening. And until next time, I'm Todd and I'm Craig with two guys and a chainsaw. Yeah.